Father Jonathan, I have some good news. What's that, Deacon David? Well, I have a standing invitation to preach at a parish. What? Yeah. Uh, and I found a way to compromise. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I take all of the masses every Sunday for every other week. Yeah. But that we trade off. So like I'll take the nine and he'll take the 11 and we'll swap. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That way I get to preach every week. That's very cool. Yeah. It was weird when I was a deacon. Um, my parish had one preacher for the whole weekend. Um, okay. And so when I was on to preach, I would deacon four masses. And preach four times. And preach four times, yeah. But the priests would only come in vested and just a stole. And then after they preached, they would leave. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I th- when it was their turn to preach. Yeah. I think it was a Dominican practice because the parish used was Dominican. And then my second year in Berkeley... It became a diocesan parish, and they kept up the tradition. I see. Um, I see. It's actually pretty cool because that way, you know, most diocesan priests never hear anybody else preach because <laughs> they're the ones mm, always preaching. Yeah. So with this way, you right. kind of get you get to have that variety. Yeah. No, that's cool. So what what happened here with this particular parish? Because I preached there yesterday, uh, which is my first time preaching in a parish in the states. Um, and it was cool because he and I, we have a good rapport and everything, but he said, look, um, I'm going to probably need to preach to my parish, you know, at some point. So, <laughs> and I agreed. And so he said, I can't give you all of the masses all of the time. Um, and so coming up with this compromise, he gets to preach every week and I get to preach every week, you know? Yeah, um, that's very cool. And you just alternate. No, it was very good. Times. Yeah, yeah, it's great. So next next Sunday I'll have one mass. Um, so it's great for us to be talking about this because now it actually matters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, that's what we did at you, the parish com- uh, uh-huh. last year. I would, the pastor and I would take different masses each week, so we both preached. Uh, okay, gotcha. Every week. Um, so I got to tell you, like the the conversation we had last week didn't factor in strongly into what was the final product, but it certainly helped get my head into the game. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, so, like, remember last week we were dealing... It's actually very appropriate because this week's gospel continues yeah, exactly we've got, from we've where got we more left parables. off. <laughs> yeah, oh, my gosh, we have too many. Yeah. Um, but it, it carries immediately through. And I, I just remember our conversation last week, we were talking about whether or not to take the short form or the long mm-hmm. form. Um, and so I, when I was preparing my homily, realized what I wanted to preach on was a detail that was in the long form and not in the short form. Uh, but it was such a small detail. It was like, oh man, can I just not like read that line? It's like, I have to read this, all this other stuff that I'm not going to preach on, you know? Um, so anyway, so I had to read the long form. What was, what was the detail? So the detail that I wanted to preach on was a detail that was in Jesus's interpretation of the parable. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, what does it mean to be good soil? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I wanted that line, but it was in the long form only. And so I was just kind of annoyed because if they had given us the short form that had the parable and its interpretation, I think that would have been the best reading. Because that whole middle section of what, why parables, I know you focused on that a lot last <laughs> week. It just I was starting to realize the more I prepared... That it was going to be an abst- it was going to be an abstraction mm-hmm. and a distraction mm. um, for my homily. It was going to be too heady and too kind of like not the point for the congregation. Yeah. I thought, um, 
Anyway, so I ended up preaching on what does it mean to good, be good soil, and I connected it to oh, the first reading with, uh, like with, yeah, with the water coming down and watering the earth. So it was all about Jesus again, yeah. and Jesus being the word that comes to yeah. bring out fruit. And yeah, you know, I um, the more I think about that, it's the more I'm really convinced that I mean, yeah, there are all sorts of different factors, and we have to open ourselves out to receive the word. But I still go back to this idea that because of the cross, because of the blood that Jesus shed for us, that made our soil fertile, period. Yeah. And so we've all been planted in fertile soil. All we have to do is receive the graces that God has given. Yeah. And I yeah, find that so many, true. so often guys, and I'm not saying that you did this, but so often guys will focus on like, oh, you have to find that fertile soil or, oh, you have to do, you know, all of these other things. It's like, well, no, we've been given that by the, by virtue of our baptism. Yeah. Right, right. So, so here's, here's the thing that I started to realize though, is that if you read what he says in that part of the parable, he says, I'm going to go back to it really quick. He says, the seed sown the seed sown in rich soil is the one who hears and understands mm-hmm. and puts and bears fruit. So and puts it into practice. He's not, yeah, but it's like it's weird because the focus isn't on the soil. It's the seed sown in rich soil is. Yeah. So like, you know, like he's not saying like be rich soil. Yeah. He's saying the seed sown in rich soil is what it's those who hear the word, understand it, and bear fruit, mm-hmm. and that's what I focused on. Yeah, oh, I like is, that. I like that a lot. It's not like try your best to be better soil it's mm-hmm. it's no, no 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 you've received the seed and you have you are rich soil you are soil and you have seed right but to be rich soil you need to hear the word understand the word and put it mm-hmm. into practice mm-hmm. yeah no i like that and i think that's appropriate for for the parables today because you know it's all the kingdom of god is like this yeah and i think so yeah. often just the same way that we were just talking about so often people try to like get too detailed with it and say, oh, well, the kingdom of God is like a pearl or a tre- or It's like, well, no, it's not this thing. It's the kingdom of God. What is, so, okay, let me, let's look at it. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in the field. So hearkening back to the last parable. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not the seed and it's not the field. The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a man who sowed good seed in the field. The man right. who's doing yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So we shouldn't reduce it to the seed or the field. Yeah. It's this action. Yeah. It's the story. Like the right. story exactly. can be reduced yeah. to details. Yeah. Yeah. And the same with the, you know, uh, a, a lot of time I hear people say the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, mustard seed, full stop. But that's not what Jesus says. Mm. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that is that a person took and sowed in a field. So again, it's this act of doing mm. something with what has been given. Oh, interesting. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. So like last week with the seed sown in good soil is those who hear, mm-hmm. understand, right. and exactly. do. Exactly. Here, it's like a mustard seed that is sown mm-hmm. or like a sower that goes out to sow. And it's great because then the, the focus there is on the action, like the seed, the soil are good, but the action and gift. is I mean, we, we can't forget that it's all gift still. I mean, I think uh, uh, right. the other f- kind of false interpretation is that, you know, we become, we become the ones that build our own, that build the kingdom that, you know, um, mm-hmm. that, that find our own way to salvation. It's like, no, we're, we're, we are good stewards to go back to Genesis. Um, mm-hmm, of what God mm-hmm. has given to us. And that is yeah. the kingdom. 
Yeah, and the seed is good. Is like that's a good gift. But like I think your your point is well taken. Is that don't leave out the farmer. Mm-hmm. Don't leave out the the guy who's coming to put the mustard seed. And the like the one that I circled in these this week that I'd probably want to focus on is the one the third parable that I really like, which is the the yeast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same dynamic, which I think you can just say like the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's like well no. It's the kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with three measures of wheat flour until the bread was leavened. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, there's a beautiful image there. I think this one is the most rich in terms of images for me because yeast is not just seed. It's active. Mm-hmm. It's this active agent that causes something. So seed falls to the ground and dies, and then life comes forth from it. So that's a really good image. But yeast is like this living thing. Yeah. It's living, yeah. you know? And I love that. So, like... How is the word of God living? And by being the woman who takes that and injects it into the world as a living agent, then that means that I'm not the one who's the principal agent here of growth. It's something beyond Mm -hmm. me, something alive. It's like when I preach the word and when I minister the gospel, the gospel is alive. Right. And the spirit is alive. You know, it's not this dead thing. It's a living thing. So my role is to help knead that into the dough mm-hmm. um, to activate the yeast, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, I love that image. I think it's a really powerful. Yeah. One. And you know, it really it shows the need of, for things to be fulfilled. So seed, uh, mustard seed, yeast, they're really good things and we need them f- for life, mm-hmm. <laughs> but by mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. they don't do anything. Yeah, they've right. got to be that's acted right. upon. They've got to be mm-hmm, planted. Mm-hmm. They've got to be mixed. They've got to, you know, find their fulfillment. And I think there's a beautiful yeah. parallel to like the married vocation. Like this is not, you know, the person or even religious vocation. Um, you know, the young person is the kind of the primal um, clay that needs to be molded into mm-hmm. that final product that is not yeah. isolated. Yeah. Right, right. No, that's good. That's very good. Um, I I think one of the other reasons that I like the yeast in particular is because you don't need a lot of it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so there's just something really po- like beautiful there too to think about how the simple word of God, you know, one kind gesture, one act of, of goodness in the world is a lot. That does a lot because it's enough. It can be, it can be enough to, yeah. to make an, a sufficient change. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, in the time this, you know, in the age of coronavirus, um, a lot of people have been baking, <laughs> been making yeah. bread. And like, I see all the time on Twitter, people talking about their sourdough starter. Mm. And it is kind of an, an interesting image because it, it's something that you keep going, that you keep feeding. Um, mm-hmm, you don't mm-hmm. use all of it. You use a little bit of it to help that fermentation start. Um, right, and it's right. very similar to the image of, of fire, like a fire that kindles other fires. It starts to consume and become the thing yep. itself and, and it spreads yep. and it's beautiful. Um, so, yeah. And here's, here's a connection with you with the first reading that I maybe think you would like. Um, so if yeast is a small amount of something that achieves such a great enterprise, Um, This first reading is all about God and it's from the book of wisdom, but the last part of it I love and that is and you taught Mm -hmm. your people Mm -hmm. by these deeds that those who are just must be kind Mm -hmm. and I think this is such an appropriate line with all of the cries for justice that we have in our world today and something as small as an act of kindness Mm -hmm. is tantamount to working for justice. Yeah, that's what it it needs. 
Exactly. Justice and I think can't that's what we're missing. happen without <laughs> kindness. And I think it's one of the things we're missing in our civil discourse is that there's a lot of vitriol. There's a mm-hmm. lot of unkindness. Yeah. And so an act of kindness can be a, a drop of yeast in the dough of the world, just like we're working for justice. Well, the yeast works to enliven and to raise the mm-hmm. dough. And we're trying to raise our society to a higher standard. And a simple act of kindness can be sufficient for for activating justice in the world and i don't think we tend to think about it that way we tend to think about changing structures which is good we tend to think about massive movements and protests but are there acts of kindness that accompany yeah that big project you know? yeah well and again like I, I love that and i think you're totally right but keep going like the second part of that sentence i think is really really important and you gave your children good ground for hope that you would permit repentance for their sins like forgiveness okay but we've got to build a proper foundation like, uh, again, to go back to this um, bread making analogy, like if you don't properly cultivate that starter, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. If you don't use the right kind of leavener, it's not going to work. And so you yeah. have to give that good ground so that something like mm-hmm. hope can flourish and yeah, kindness totally. and forgiveness and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you're going to preach on baking. <laughs> well, I think that's the beauty of these parables. And that, I really, that's why I love them so much is because, like we were talking about last week, it really presents a freedom to mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. yeah, it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like that. You know, it's not really baking. That's kind of a silly thing. But it helps to get your imagination going so that you can start thinking about what's really there and not just... Sure. What is a mustard seed? How does that work? I don't know. It's like, okay, you're missing the point here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, so one thing I did in my homily last week, which I think is appropriate for this week as well, is to not forget. So, okay, so one of the, the things that I like to do when I preach is to not skip the introductory lines. I think the introductory lines often give us really good content for preaching. So, like, this week is a very brief one, which is just Jesus proposed another mm-hmm. parable mm-hmm. to the crowds. Yeah. Um, but last week, I thought it was really telling, and it was a really helpful thing to preach on, and it ends with this week, with how Jesus ends, uh, how the gospel ends. So last week, it began with Jesus got woke up one morning and left his house and saw a crowd and heard them and saw their need and got into a boat and started to teach them. So I built a whole homily around Jesus wanting to teach because he hears in the con- mm. in the people a need. And so the good soil at the end of the gospel is those who hear and those who understand and then act. And Jesus does that. He hears, he understands, and he acts at the beginning of that gospel. And this week it ends in a similar way. Then after doing all of this teaching, he dismisses the crowds and goes back into his house. Mm-hmm. So I just think there's something really powerful about thinking about how Jesus is doing that which he wants us to do. He's waking up in the morning, going out into the world, seeing need as it's presented to him, understanding it and meeting that need with the words of the gospel. Yeah. You know, and so like like that part that I quoted from you for you from the book of wisdom, and you taught your people by mm-hmm. these deeds. Right. So Jesus' very deeds here are teaching us something. Yeah, he's showing by not example. Just the par- Perfect. Yeah. So not just the parables themselves, but read the scripture here as Jesus modeling for us how to care for one another. You know, by by look at all the different analogies he's using to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. And he'd probably stay there all day with more and more examples. Yeah, there's a good example here of Jesus teaching us how to be good evangelists, how to be good teachers, how to be good friends to those who are in need and maybe are a little bit lost. Um, 
I don't know. I kind of like that. I like thinking about that on a meta level of what Jesus is doing to model mm-hmm. for me how to be a better to be a better preacher, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And you know, and that's what I like about our second reading from continuing on with the letter to the Romans that we're not forgetting that we're not good enough <laughs> that we are weak and we do not know how to do what we ought. And yep. we trust that the spirit will be there. And I love this. I love when St. Paul gives us these visceral, um, uh, uh, when he uses these words like inexpressible Metaphors. groanings, yeah. mm-hmm. like, I don't even really know what that means, but I like it. Yeah. It's inexpressible. <laughs> it's uh, There it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, uh, and well, because, he, show, like, like he says, because he intercedes for the holy ones according to the will of God, like... Boom, there it is. We trust mm-hmm. that God is there with us. Right. And so the Holy Spirit there that intercedes for us is, you know, like the leavening. Mm-hmm. Right? It's yeah, the, exactly. It's the yeast. It's, the Spirit is a living agent. It's a living agent in the world that injected into the world can galvanize growth. Um, yeah, no, that's really beautiful. I got to tell you, I don't know how you do it, but I I struggle with trying to fit the second reading into my homilies like i just mm. feel like there's so much content that yeah i try not to overdo it like I, I i just try to say like look like with the gospel this past week i just took one line from isaiah and one line from matthew mm-hmm. and stuck with that like but trying to bring in romans as well i feel like it can get convoluted yeah you know i don't know if it's the right thing to do but i usually do it like i just did you know a second ago um how that kind of, you know, like a line from St. Paul will say, and, th- th- you know, this kind of makes me think that this could be what he was thinking of when he says something like that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. for example, yeah. like last week, um, the two line, the kind of catchphrase lines that I really wanted to focus on were, um, oh, what was it? Uh, for uh, for creation awaits with eager expectation. Love that. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the one that we mm-hmm. talked about from Isaiah, like achieving the end, the principle and foundation thing. What was the end for which we were created? Right, like, right. You flesh out the ideas and then say, okay, and then, you know, this is how it plays out for, right, you know, right. the apostles or whatever. That's sure. kind of what I do. Is that right? Got it. Should I do that? <laughs> I think it's good. I mean, I, I don't like making too many connections because then I think that I start overwhelming my audience with mm-hmm. like, oh, and another thing. Oh, and another thing. Yeah. And another thing. Um, but before we go, one more thing, um, <laughs> and another thing I want to just say, uh, this Alleluia verse confuses me because it doesn't seem to have anything to do with what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Blessed are you father for you have revealed this to the little ones. It's like two chapters um, ago. I mean, we read that, what, yeah. two, I guess two weeks ago. Um, yeah. And so I, I just don't like one thing I was thinking about, not that it has to fit, but you know, Jesus is teaching as if he were teaching children. Yeah. Well, I, and it, yeah, again, I think, I think there's an important, um, there's an importance to, to parables, to fairy tales that we brush off so often, um, as being childish or, you know, too confusing. So we're not going to worry about it. It's like, no, these right. are how we uncover those mysteries. It's not something that we can, um, completely understand. You know, it's not a puzzle to solve or a riddle. Um, mm-hmm. These are the mysteries, and we start to unfold them and unpack them and find out how they keep changing. I mean, that's why the scriptures are alive, because there's no yeah. one, like, definitive answer, you know? Right, right. Yeah, stories are better to teach with, mm-hmm. and I think kids get that. Yeah. Kids get really bored when you give them a treatise, but if you give them a story, mm-hmm. and the story is limitless, you know, right. in, in, in interpretation, yeah. 
Cool, man. Parting thought? Yeah, I don't know. Well, other than my regular go pray, but I, I also, <laughs> I need your help with this. So I am very tempted to preach using Tolkien here <laughs> mm. because this, I mean, this is all, you know, his, the way he goes on about allegory and applicability. Like that's kind of what we're looking at here. And I don't, I don't know that yeah. that would be, if that would be too off-putting for people. And I wouldn't like, so I wouldn't want to just give somebody a, you know, read a paper about Tolkien. Like that's not what I'm, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. Right, um, right, right. So I, so this, I mean, it goes to something that you and I think I've talked about before is that homilies aren't lectures. Um, and so how do we, and I'm not saying that you're suggesting that, but like how, how do you avoid it becoming mm-hmm, a lecture? Right, exactly. You know? Um, and it's to illuminate what's already present in the scriptures. Cause that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when someone brings in a separate text mm-hmm. that isn't in the gospels, yeah. you know, that isn't, isn't here yeah. in the text, you know, um, if it can, if you can do it to illuminate what's already on, yeah. on display this Sunday, then go for it. You well, know? I guess but it's always at the service of what's already yeah, on. The, you know, I guess the it's the, it's, it's really what we're talking about. Like the, the point is to use these methods in a way that teaches that, like our Alleluia verse that uncovers these mysteries to reveal these mysteries. So I think, uh, yeah. So let me help you out. I think one thing that could be helpful for you as like a personal story for your your homily is to talk about your experience teaching high school and how you realized that you can't really teach the mysteries of the Old Testament unless you tell your kids fairy tales. Yeah, yeah. Like that experience for you was very illuminating, mm-hmm. you know, because you realize these kids aren't going to get it unless we start telling stories because right. that's what the Israelites are yep, doing. Yep, you know? absolutely. That's a really good point. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. Till next time. Alrighty. All right, peace.